Warning. This podcast may contain spoilers for whatever TV show or movie is mentioned. Please listen at your own discretion. Welcome to viewers and audience. Yo, what's going on? I am Scoots Brunson. And I am Esther Foster. That's right. You tuned into another episode of the Viewers Anonymous podcast, where we give you our very own reviews and take of takes of movie movies and TV straight out of Hollywood. What's going on with you, bro? Can't call it, man. Another day on the yard, man. Just trying to uh, trying to figure this thing out called life. You know what I'm saying? Had uh, you know, had to push the pie back. You know, because the kids wanted to hit up a little little game. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you now, man. Probably gonna end up being a trend. Hey, <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, I, this is. I felt like, like that's when you start to feel like, yo, my kids growing up on me. Mm-hmm. Like going to the football game and don't want nothing to do with their pops. Oh yeah, it's like it's like yeah, it's that time. So, uh, but yeah, man. But uh, just I'm making it out here though, man. How you feeling? Everything been good with you? Man, everything is great. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Had uh, my fantasy football draft yesterday. Uh, I'm feeling good about my team. You know what I'm saying? Had a great time with the guys, man. Went out, had a whole draft party and shit. Even got into it with my little cousin, man. We did some one-on-ones. You know what I'm saying? Had to show him I still got it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, you know, felt good about myself, man. Even though he did catch the pass on me, which is you know what I'm saying? Kind of lame, but he one handed me. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, we, we had some fun, man. It was, you know, one of them things where you don't really get the, you know, what I mean, we we talk all the time because you know what I'm saying, we always on the party chat on the game, but like, you know what I'm saying, being able to kick it with each other, man, be around each other and shit like that was dope. And then, you know what I'm saying, I had my boys with me too. So, you know what I'm saying, they got to hang out and shit too, even though they was none, you know what I'm saying, not interested at all. Speaking of, you know, saying your kids not want nothing to do with you, they didn't care nothing about what was going on. <laughs> Chicken and they was good, you know what I'm saying? And then they was on their tablet or on their phone, and that's it, man. But yeah, I, I feel you, I feel what you're saying, man. Because right now, you know what I'm saying, we in the same house and they don't want nothing to do with me. They in there on the tablet or watching TV and doing their own thing, man. So they definitely getting older, man. Oh yeah, man. Same here, man. They in they they in their rooms on their phones, and they're just like, yeah. I get it though. You know what I'm saying? We were the same way, you know. Oh yeah. Coming up, coming up, coming up in this world, man. And because then what it does for me, I don't know if it do the same for you, but it has me like reflecting on those times, like, like, damn, man. You know what? When I was 13, 14, 15, I was the same way. Man, I was the same way. The only difference between me and my kids is. They got a lot more technology than I do. Yeah. So like, the the way that they are with video games, like, it was kind of like that for me. Like I would play, and like you know everybody around the neighborhood would play, and we would play to the point to where like we was going over somebody else's house. Everybody had their own controller, and if we couldn't go in the house, yeah. like let's go in the garage, and you know what I'm saying, get the TV and connect everything there, and we'd play. But like. Most of the time, like, bro, we was all out there together playing football or playing basketball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we was actually outside doing outside activities. Like, they'll, like, my kids will go play, of course, and then they'll be outside for a little bit. But it's like, 
they you see them outside playing, and the next thing you know, like they all on the patio on their phone. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely the difference, man. It's it's the technology because like mm-hmm. we we were more outside, you know what I'm saying, shooting ball, throwing football in the yard. Like I even used to do the shit where where you you would think like when I didn't have nobody, you know what I'm saying, at the house, and it'd be like just me. I'd mm-hmm. be in the backyard. I got them launch the damn football in the air and go chase that bitch down. I used to and take, it's like, I used to take it with one hand, spin it up, and try to catch it with the other hand one hand. Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like now people making TikTok videos of this shit now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're throwing about forty yeah. yards or whatever and going to go catch it themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking I'm crazy doing this shit by myself, but now it's like it's a thing. Yeah. So, but like yeah. And then we used to, you know. Who got next on on NCAA? You mm-hmm. know what I mean. We'll be in a room, maybe about six, seven months. Like you said, people had their own controllers, and we would just sit there and we would play. That that's the old PlayStation days. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The original PlayStation. So yeah, for sure. And then well, that and, and no, 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 no. Two, because two came out probably like around like my sophomore year, maybe somewhere in there, somewhere around 2001, 2002. Yeah, that's when like PlayStation Two came out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So it was more, it was more PlayStation Two, and then it was just yeah, it was on from that yeah, point that's, on. That's when Game Day was the shit, man. Man, you remember Game Breaker? Yeah, yo, yeah. the meanest stiff arms of all time. Sure, <laughs> stiff arm dude, he'll go seventeen yards. I seen a dude on YouTube with a Blades of Steel jersey. I mean, the Blades of Steel shirt on. I was like, bro, I ain't seen that in forever. Have you ever played Blades of Steel? No. That's why I was like, yeah, it was on what? Game on, on Super Nintendo NES. Oh, see, that's probably why. That's when like double dribble and, and Joe Montana football and all that shit was cool. Blades of yeah. Steel, hockey game everybody played. Everybody played with Wayne Gretzky. Man, that's one thing. That's dope as fuck. It's like, like the bench inserts, mm-hmm. and I like how they doing. Like, uh, I see they got some where you know, like the old NBA, a little NBA Jam shit. Yeah, and like they using like current players. And yeah. Like I saw one, I saw one today where it was NFL jams, and they had they had, and because of my algorithm, they know I'm a 49ers fan, mm-hmm. so they had the 49ers on. It had George Kittle and Debo on there. I was like, yeah, but that'd be a dope shirt to get. So I look like vintage, like the vintage stuff, like these kids, they think it's like, like they think it's cool, mm-hmm. but like they don't know the sentimental, the sentimental value like we do though. Like they just think it's a cool shirt. Like for us, it's like, yo, like y'all don't know what this means. Yeah. Yeah. Like we lived through it to where it was just like, I mean, NBA jams was just, but he's on fire. That was, you know what I'm saying? Game everybody wanted to play, bro. That that's man, that's literally like you th- like that's where the Steph Curry shit started was fucking NBA jams. Cause when your player was on fire, you pulling up from anywhere because you know it's going in. Get like, it didn't matter. Shoot it and it went in. Yes. <laughs> all sure. time, man. All time. Sure. Man, um, yeah, man. But definitely though, like, but they do the TikTok shit. They do all that shit, man. Whatever you can do on the phone, that's that's what they be they they on that shit, man. Um, it's just it's funny seeing them 
you know what I'm saying, like do little shit. And it, it's even funnier because like my cousins do content creation and everything. And then my cousin Jair, he do like a whole bunch of TikToks and shit. So like when they see him do that shit, they, you know what I'm saying, like you, I catch them trying to like find ways to do their own version of what he doing and shit. Or like you'll see, like I'll be scrolling through TikTok and see them reacting to his video or something. So I think that shit is super cool. They, you know what I'm saying, that they able to have that connection with them. So that's that's the that's one of the dope things for me, you know what I'm saying, being able to like cause when we was younger, you know what I'm saying, like the, my cousins was always around me. So now it's like they got a chance to, you know what I'm saying, like be around them and shit like that. So it's a it's a dope little move, man. Little generational, you know what I'm saying, pass downs, man. Um listen, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we have possibly one of the greatest segments of all time from any podcast, but definitely one of our favorite segments. Of all time. Um, possibly our favorite segment, man. Um, we like to call it what we watching. Ready to get into it? Yes, sir. Let's go. All right, bro. What you got this week, man? <clears throat> All right, man. I got uh, I got two. Um, and one is actually something that I watched. I've been pushing. I've been pushing this. What we watch it back for like maybe like three weeks or so. Mm-hmm. But um, it was released on Disney Plus, and I was able to see. Which is so wild how this shit. And I kind of like. I mean, I guess you can call it fell off, which is kind of weird. But I'm just meaning like when you talk about the MCU, but, um, I watched garden of the galaxy volume three, man. Um, and I don't even really, I mean, I'm pretty sure it probably was just in the theaters at the same time, but it was just released on Disney plus at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because usually anything, you know, MCU is, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't call it a cash grab, but it's just it's something that just always, you know, made a lot of money. Yeah. And for them to to go ahead and release that shit on Disney Plus at the same time, I'm not mad at it, but I'm just saying it's just how things have changed in the last couple of years. It's yeah. so wild. But um, but I was able to watch that. Um and I thought I thought it was pretty good. Um I wasn't mad at it. It was you know, centered really around Rocket, really, mm-hmm. um, about how he ended up becoming, you know, what he is, how he is, the way he is. And, you know, they basically had to go save him, but they had to go back to where the people who created him because he basically was, like, in a coma, basically. And, like, mm-hmm. and they had to kind of, like, you know, go back and get some stuff that would, like, revive him or whatever, whatnot. But um, but the villain ended up being like the person who created him, basically. Yeah. So um, they took that route. You know, Gamora still on her shit to where she's like, "Yo, this version of me don't know you." Well, not Rocket, but you know, to uh, oh, what's my dude name? What's Chris Pratt name in there? Um, Star Lord Peter. Star Lord. Yeah, because he's still trying to, you know, win her back, and she's still on that. Yo, I don't know you, my guy. Like. That Gamora that you want don't exist. So, right. um, you you thought 
there was there was a little part where he was like, uh, she might give him a little shot, and then she's like, not for this shit. So um so I, I thought I thought the movie I thought the movie was pretty cool. Um, but I will say it definitely wasn't the best one. I would probably say with the three that's out is probably the it's probably the last, you know what I mean? Unfortunately. But you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't a terrible movie, but it, you know what I mean, but it, it, it was pretty good. Um, and so the other movie that I watched, I actually just finished it today. I started it um I started it yesterday and I finished it today. But um I'm not gonna go long because you already spoken about it. Um the Flash, the new Flash movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they put it on Max. Um, I just finished it. It's like the only thing is, look, we already had the discussion about Ezra Miller. There's no need to get into all of that, but like, it just seems like everything is time travel now. Well, you, it's I, like it's like they running out of shit, and it's just like it's the MC. I look, I, I know exactly what you mean, and I know how you feel about it, but it's it's definitely not that. I think the so the um the the guy that's in charge at DC right now that's kind of putting everything together was the guy who originally did um Guardian uh Guardians of the Galaxy. I think his name is James Gunn. James Gunn? Yeah. Um but he's responsible for like Birds of uh the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey and all that. And I believe it's the um it's like the four hour long Justice League movie. It might not be James Gunn. No, no, that's uh, that's uh, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. That's who I'm talking about. Zack Snyder is the guy that's putting everything together or whatever that did the Justice League movie. James Gunn has moved over, I believe, to um, DC now. I want to say his name is James Gunn. That's the only name I'm thinking of right now. So I'm pretty sure it is, but don't hold it against me if it's not. But James Gunn is... You know what I'm saying? He did I know he did the Harley Quinn joint. He did he did the um Suicide Squad and then now he's doing the whole um basically the whole DC thing now. They kind of putting it in his hands. Um because of the success he had with Marvel. But the time travel thing that you're talking about is actually one of the biggest storylines in DC, which is mm-hmm. the Flashpoint storyline so the flashpoint storyline is when the flash um something happens where like he get real mad and it of course through different iterations it changes of why he got mad but the base of it is still the same he pretty much like he gets super mad he runs and he ends up running so fast that he finds out that he can go through different alternate universes he could time travel and he like he figures out other factors of his power and so um, with this, the flashpoint that they use with this is kind of weird because he ended up just going back in time. The other flashpoint that they had, which is like probably one of the most popular ones, is where he goes into a whole nother universe. So the flashpoint that he jumps into, he ends up jumping into. And it's like everybody is different. Like Batman is not... Bruce Wayne is his dad. 
um wonder woman is a whole nother person superman is a whole nother person it's like power man or some shit like that like so it's it's a total group of people but they're not superheroes they villains you know what i'm saying so um and that is like one of the like i said flashpoint is like the biggest one of the biggest storylines in dc so they kind of you know what I'm saying wrote it in their own way and I thought it was dope because they kind of introduced um, Supergirl into the mix, which is something that they they really needed uh, with the failure of the Wonder Woman movie. They definitely needed a female character. Um, and then, you know what I'm saying, of course, Superman, the whole dilemma with that, that's going to help with that. Um, the Batman thing I thought was dope because they brought Michael Keaton back. You know what I'm saying? The whole nostalgia of that. Um, especially if you've been watching, you know what I'm saying, DC movies for as long as we have, you definitely know the importance of Michael Keaton being Batman in the, you know what I'm saying, in the past universe. And then even when they had George Clooney pop out. That's what I was about to say. George now, Clooney popped up at the end. Yeah, so um, I thought that was super. Dude, they showed Christopher Reeves in this joint, yo. Yeah, see, that's what I'm like, saying. So what, what they did was like... Um, this is something that they did with um what show is that? God dang it, what show is that? Um the the um DC Titans, the Titans show that, that they just canceled. Beast Boy mm-hmm. went into um this thing called the red, where it's like he's connected to you know what I'm saying the earth and all because he could change into different animals and shit like that. So when he goes into it. It's a part where he sees like all of these different versions of DC characters and movies and TV shows and shit like that. And so that's what they kind of did at the end where he was running in the circle. And like you've seen the Chris, like you said, Christopher Reeves and One One World and all these other different versions of characters that they had. They kind of did the same thing in this movie just to kind of help with that nostalgia to kind of bring back. You know what I'm saying? Like the the older viewers and the people who've been watching it for so long. And then with some of the newer viewers, I think it kind of added a mystique as to why, you know what I'm saying, some of these people were in here and who they are and what's the importance of that. So I think they did a good job with it. Um, Like I said, the movie was pretty decent. I didn't really have a big issue with it. It's just, for me, it it ain't no real villain in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you and you know how I am. The villain makes the movie. The, the the better the villain is, the better the movie gonna be. And I felt like they could at least did like the reverse flash instead of him having to kind of weirdly battle himself or whatever. That yeah. Whole, yeah. The I'm cool with that. So um yeah, that's that's really what that was. And then with um with Marvel, the um the alternate timeline thing. Um, that's something that they do throughout just the whole thing with Marvel. Like Marvel got different Earths, uh, so it'll be like Marvel six four six or Marvel sixteen or Marvel one one nine or some shit like that. And they all got the same characters, but they all got different iterations of that character. So like when they did that, you know what I'm saying? Like it it all makes sense if you if you understand the comics or even if you like watch the cartoons or any of that shit or if you just know about the storylines you kind of know you know what i'm saying like those are huge uh storylines within those comic worlds and that's why they use those because that's what kind of brings um those 
fans together to come see that like with civil war civil war was really like a way bigger event in marvel than it what was portrayed you know what i'm saying in the captain america movie because mm-hmm. um, like civil war has something to do with the x-men it has something to do with like fantastic four it was really based on x-men because of the whole mutant thing but like because of superheroes and some other shit and you know something like they added all that in it so the way that they did it in the movie was pretty cool but it's like the storyline is way longer than what they portrayed in there even the ultron shit like the ultron is a huge event um the the justice league movie i thought would have been better if they would have added certain characters but they of course couldn't do that but yeah but that's all it is that's just them taking like those important parts of comics and using those like major storylines and just making the movies and then you know of course it just so happens that since marvel is going through the alternate universe thing and because of the success that they're having dc is definitely going to try to follow that the same way that they tried to follow how marvel did the avengers and now they want to bring out the justice league you know what i'm saying you you only as good like I said, as your villain, and because Marvel is the, the best villain of all time right now, DC is going to do whatever they can to kind of match that, and that's where that kind of, you know what I'm saying, came from. Cool, cool, man. So that's what I got, man. Just, uh, that's on, that's on HBO Max right now, The Flash, and I watched Garden of the Galax- Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 on Disney+. Plus. Man, so I've been on a Hulu kick recently, man, um, and I, I can't get away from it right now. Um, so the both of mine are TV shows. The first one um, is a show called Container Homes. And if you like me, you one of them people that lay down and just throw something on TV, you know, just to watch. Usually it's like HGTV or Food Network or some shit like that. Um, but Container Homes is pretty dope because these people, they actually plan out a house they get to plan out their own house and the people that they get make it out of like shipping containers mm-hmm. so you know what i'm saying i thought that that was dope and then like i got to go down the rabbit hole of looking into shipping container houses and it's super interesting but they are they are really really cheap to make and i think this is a, a great idea to use shipping containers to you know what i'm saying create houses and Stuff like that. Like, this is an awesome idea. Some of the, the houses that I've seen them make is magnificent, man. Like, I've seen them make some dope-ass houses with these shipping containers. So that's the show, like, I, I, I stayed up all night watching this shit, man. This shit is, is super fun. Um, So that's one of the shows. And then the other show, of course, is what we do in The Shadows Season 5. Um, I think I'm on episode... Let me check. Make sure. I don't want to say the wrong episode. Right now... Um, um, I'm on episode seven. Episode eight came out, so I got to catch up. But what we do in the shadows, new season. This is like the I've explained it multiple times, but somebody had put it to me, um, in a way better, you know, since since they said this is basically like the the office, but with vampires. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not it's it's not on the same level as the office because of course the office is like up there, but like I think when we look down the road, like we'll it'll be somewhere in that vicinity. But yeah, this is like the office, but but it's vampires instead. This shit is fucking hilarious, bro. There's not there's nothing in this show that if you watch this shit, you're gonna get bored of. This shit is fucking comedy, so 
that's what I'm watching, man. They both on Hulu. You can both check them out. What we do in the shadows and then container homes. Um, right, man. That for sure, man. So today, man, we showing love and giving flowers to um, one of the greatest producers, directors um, of all time. Uh, this man has really defied the odds of filmmaking. Um, born in Knoxville, Tennessee, March 27, 1963. Um, he's created some of your favorite films. He's put people in these films that nobody would probably even give a chance to at the time they were in films, even gave them, you know what I'm saying, kind of they so a bunch of people they first starts, even, you know what I'm saying, put people in positions to do some things that they probably never would have thought they would have been able to do. Um, today we're talking about Quentin Tarantino, man. Um, he's responsible for films like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, uh, From Dusk Till Dawn, um, Django Unchained, um, a few Grindhouse films, and the most infamous Kill Bill. You know what I'm saying? I think that's, that's the one that really put him on the map. Um, and also you know what I'm saying, kind of gave Uma Thurman her, you know what I'm saying, her, like, shine, her her first glimpse into stardom of Hollywood. Man, listen. Like, Quentin Tarantino is, like, one of those, I think the misconception of Quentin Tarantino is, like, him kind of, like, creating this genre that really didn't exist at the time. Right. And I think what's so dope about him is just that, and he said something that was so simple, where it's like, you when you hear it, it sounds simple, but to go out and do it mm-hmm. is totally different. Like, like he said, you know, coming up in the time that I came up, because um, he, he did an episode on Rogan, and he was just like, I'm looking at all of these movies because, you know, everybody knows the famous story. He worked in a video store. He's watching all of these movies. And he's like, yo, he was like, I'm not seeing any other type of movies that I want to see. So I'm just going to write my own shit. And, just, and you know what I mean? And he was like, he was he bits and pieces in movies. And he was like, yeah, I want a whole movie to be this way, though. He's like, I see bits and pieces of shit that I like. But I want a whole movie to be that way. Mm-hmm. And so for him to just be, you know what I'm saying, working in a video store and just like, yo, I'm seeing bits and pieces of shit that I like. And I want to, I want to, you know what I'm saying, create this whole genre and just go out and just do the shit. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he he had friends in the industry that was able to kind of, you know, get him through the door and all types of shit like that. So that's always helpful. But like when you look at like his films. And the the oddness in his films, which makes it to me kind of stand off the screen. But I think the most important thing about his films is, and it probably could be credited to his stepfather, mm-hmm. is the music selections that he used. Okay, I think that is something that really takes his his film to the next level because mm-hmm. I think the music selections in your movies are very, very important. And I think the music that he chooses 
at the at the time that he chooses it, it, it really be off the chart. Especially like a movie like Kill Bill, like the the, the whole whistling shit, the the bang bang song. Like I never heard this shit before. But then at the same time, the shit fits so well. And then for him to have a relationship with the wizard, because the wizard was involved in the kill bit. Like I think wizard was like the like the music person for um, that soundtrack, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So it's just like I think Quentin, I think his vision is so fucking dope, and for him to basically, you know, do the screenwriting. For you know, Reservoir Dolls and Reservoir Dolls to hit the way that it did, but for but but we all know. I mean, I get there. I'm, I'm rambling right now, but what he was able to do with fucking Pope Fiction, I don't think people understand how significant that film is. But I'm rambling right now, man. But what are some of the things that's to you that stands out about Quentin Tarantino and his films and the genre that he kind of started? Um. Well, for me. Quentin Tarantino, he does um, a great job with exaggerations. And especially when it comes to action, when it comes to um, like fight scenes or anything with blood, gore, anything like that, like he does a great job with the exaggeration. And it's not too far fetched with the exaggeration, right? Like, remember in Kill Bill, like I forgot who it was. I know they were in like the. It might have been even the um, the whistle song scene when they were in the in the go go, you know, what I'm saying bar fighting, and she cut somebody's head off, and it's like blood just constantly just shooting out. You know, yeah. what I'm saying? like it's one of those things that like you see it, and then it's not like you know when you see it, you're not like oh come on man, like what what is this? It's like when you see it, you like oh that was. That's that made everything much, that much better, you know what I'm saying? Because if you go back and watch that scene, like that's a great fight scene. Not only that, he he took a step he took it a step further by making it um, Uma Thurman being a woman and doing this action movie. Because there's not too many action movies at the time where women were the lead or where women were the ones that the movie focused around and she was just like this complete and total badass. Um even when like they did something like using Vivica A. Fox and had her doing the fight scene. We've never seen Vivica A. Fox do action. <laughs> Before yeah. this, you've never seen Vivica A. Fox do action. Vivica A. Fox was just like this this super just fine ass black woman that was in movies that you know what I'm saying niggas was fawning over until you seen her you know what I'm saying going at it with Uma Thurman in his movie and even so much so like it was so it was so well choreographed to like when her daughter walked in they all you know what I'm saying they just both stopped and you know just was you know made it seem like nothing happened and right when she walked in they you know what I'm saying get back to going at it um so I, I think that his his whole thing with the exaggeration, like everything is exaggerated. You know what I'm saying? Like even in Django Unchained, um, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's a bunch of scenes in that movie where they show a lot of exaggeration. You know, the um, when when he's uh, when 
Django goes to um damn, I forgot what the what the dude's name is, but he he walked up to him and you know saying they go in there and and uh King is talking to the slave master or whatever. And you know what I'm saying? The the slave is walking around with Django and she like, yeah, you know, you free? He like, yeah, I got my freedom. And he got the blue suit on and shit looking mm-hmm. crazy. And then, you know what I'm saying? They find the, the dudes that they looking for and he just start whooping one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then yeah. blood splatter on the cot. Like, that's a that's a huge fucking exaggeration because it's like, come on, bro. Like, it ain't he ain't hit him that much for that shit to happen. So but just seeing that, you know what I'm saying, and just just knowing like the the way that he stretches certain scenes and make you know what I'm saying and make them sometimes more important than it has to be. You know what I'm saying? Like or the gunfighting Django, you know what I'm saying? They shooting shit, but everything is flying around. Where it's like, okay, either they, they shooting and missing a lot of shit, or they just shooting through a bunch of shit, you know what I'm saying? Um or even if you go from like from dusk till dawn, I think that's another one that um is is where his exaggeration goes. Like the dance scene with Selma Hayek. You know what I'm saying? Like the way that that they focus in on certain, you know what I'm saying, moves that she does or focus in on certain body parts of her. I think that, you know what I'm saying, like he 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 finds a way to to snatch your attention in moments where they really shouldn't be snatched. And I'm not saying the dancing with Selma Hayek is one of them because they could have put her ass on the pan shot wide. We still would have been just watching Selma Hayek. But, you know what I'm saying, just in, with certain things, he he likes to, you know what I'm saying, single it out. He likes to isolate it. And it's like you pay so much attention to it that the scene just, once again, it gets that much better. I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I think that the, I think the whole point of the exaggeration shit is, I think it's like giving you like a like an alternate, like an alternate like vision mm-hmm. on something to where it's just like movies are really meant to really, you know, take you from reality. And in a sense, it depends on what you're watching. Right. But I think that to to do the things the way that he do them and you know he get a lot of pushback for a lot of his films being you know violent mm-hmm. or whatever which i think is really kind of crazy because i think that the whole world and society that we live in is violent yeah. so it's just like how can you really criticize quentin tarantino for his movies being violent um somebody yeah I, but i i think i think what a lot of people get pissed off by Quentin Tarantino is the fact of like he literally don't give a shit. Right. Like a lot of the stuff that he done, like a lot of people get mad at him. He's like, yo, like, like I, I really don't care. Like if this is what I want to do, like I'm going to do it like regardless. And true. like say what? He's a true artist. Like he really is, and he's like, if I can't do it the way that I want to do it, then you know, fuck it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he was he was telling the whole story about uh, Pulp Fiction, and so he was talking to and 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 the one thing that does suck is the fact that he is tied to uh, Harvey Weinstein because you know a lot of those movies came out 
with Miramax and shit. And so he was like, he was talking to Hari, and he was like, all right. He was like, write down. He was like, he knew from the rip. He was like, I want John Travolta, you know right. what I'm saying, to play this part. And but Harvey was like, you know, just write down a bunch of names and we'll see who we can get or whatever. So he said he wrote down like 10 names or some shit. And Harvey was like, take off this name and take off John Travolta. He was like, yo, if I can't have John, I'm just going to take the movie to somebody else. He was like, that's who I want. Because at the time, John Travolta was, everybody thought he was done. Well, I I still felt like he was top notch because around this time, what the what, only thing he had out around that time was the who's look who's talking movies. When was Face that's no face off was uh face off didn't come out to like four or five years later. Okay, no, because Pope Fishing came out like ninety two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So no, no, um, ninety four. So ninety four. And so, and, and based off didn't come out to 97. Yeah, 92 is Reservoir Dogs. Yes, yes, yes. You're right, you're right. So they came out in 94, but that gave him that resurgence because before then, John Travolta was kind of like, everybody thought he was like, oh, you know, he's doing movies with Christy Allen about a fucking baby talking. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what people, that's what the executives were saying. Yeah. But he was like, no, like, this is who I want. Point blank, and like, and this is what I'm doing. If you're not going to give me what I want, I go somewhere else. And mm -hmm. like, he was a person who really kind of like put his foot down and was like, I have a vision for what I want, and I'm going to do it the way that I want. Right. And if I can't, yeah. I'll take it somewhere else. And I think that kind of pissed people off because he didn't follow the 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 certain format that a lot of people follow. Like, there are some people who like there are some things that I want, but if I can't get it. All right, whatever. Nah, Quentin, like, nah. Like, I'm fighting for what I want, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I want to do it. And there wasn't a lot of people like that, and I think that's some of the shit that pissed, uh, pissed a lot of people off about him. And I think one of the most interesting things about that interview was, like, he really do not fuck with them. Linda Lee, but, um, Bruce Lee widow. Mm-hmm. He don't fuck with her at all. Because, I mean, we all know she tried to sue him mm -hmm. for uh, Bruce Lee's portrayal in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I don't think you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? Um, I've seen some of it. I know I know exactly what you're talking about, though. I, I remember the character that played him. I see so, and the scene is actually in the trailer, too. Well, part of the scene is in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, part of it is. And, like, and basically, he was saying like what it was was so, so, uh, what's his name? So Brad Pitt, I think his character name was Cliff. Wait, what people got understand by Cliff because Cliff was a stunt man. Mm -hmm. But before he was a stunt man, he was actually in a war. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was in the Vietnam War, some shit like that. So he actually really killed motherfuckers for real. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And the whole thing and all of the stories about Bruce Lee was it was well known around Hollywood that Bruce Lee hated stuntmen. Mm -hmm. And so they said that he used to do shit like when they're doing stunts, he would actually like, you know, when you do the whole kick, you're supposed to like kind of, you know, miss them and they're supposed to. He would break yeah. their shit. 
Like he said, he really used to hit them because yeah. he just had a sustain for them. And his whole thing was what I, how I'm going to betray him. Cause he even talked about it. He said, this thing about Bruce Lee, one of the best martial arts people ever lived. Like he admitted that, but he was like, but at the same time, he was like, Bruce Lee ain't no killer. He was like, Bruce Lee can, yeah, he can whoop your ass when it comes to, you know, martial arts type shit. But he was like, but if it comes to Bruce Lee having to kill somebody, he was like, Bruce Lee ain't killing shit. And he was like, his whole point was Cliff was a real killer. Mm -hmm. So he was just like, if they really scrapping, and then he was talking about how Bruce Lee was only like five, 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 six, like a. This is this is the thing. This is my <laughs> thing with this, right? Because I heard I heard about this shit too, that he was saying this, and and I get it. I get his point, right? Like, dude was in the war killing people. He was in the war killing people with guns. He was also in the war killing motherfuckers who didn't know Jeet Kune Do, <laughs> weren't as trained and skilled as fucking Bruce Lee. Okay. Bruce Lee would whoop dude's ass. Hands down. <laughs> this is not a fucking question. Like, like I this is like I get it. Like, cause this to me, I feel like like the whole Bruce Lee thing is like when people talk about like Michael Jordan or like Jerry Rice or like the you know what I'm saying, like when, when we talk about the goats and shit, right? Like, yeah, you know, if they did that shit, you know what I'm saying? Like in this era, man, you know, they if they was here now, they wouldn't have been able to do it. Let me tell you something about Bruce Lee, bro. The reason that Bruce Lee was was so well touted was because this nigga wasn't a fucking joke. Like this is the thing that I don't understand about people and when they talk about dudes who like do martial arts and shit. These motherfuckers fight for a living. That's like if a nigga like I heard somebody say one time like yeah, that UFC shit cool but like in a street fight that shit won't go down. Yeah, it will. This motherfucker <laughs> fights for a living. There, there's nothing, there's there's no possible trick that you have in your bag of tricks in the streets that's, that he's going to see and be like, oh, I've never seen that move. But no, he's going to telegraph your punches. He's going to beat the shit out of you with either his feet or his, or his hands. He, he might possibly choke you out. You know what I'm saying? He could roundhouse you. Motherfucker Superman punch you. It's a bunch of shit that this motherfucker has in his repertoire that <laughs> for him is practice. This ain't even the sparring section. This is just like hitting a punching bag to a motherfucker that just fight all day. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Cliff is a badass. I'm sure that if Cliff had a nine nine millimeter on him or a knife, he could probably, you know, injure Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, all he needs to do is literally swing a foot. And Cliff is going to fucking buckle. We have we it, it's just certain things, man, that we 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 gotta quit hating, bro. I get it. You mad because she didn't she didn't you know want you portraying Bruce Lee in the movie, and that's cool. But but don't go disrespecting Bruce Lee like that, bro. Don't do that. I don't give a fuck how tough Cliff was in Vietnam. Okay. He he not fighting fucking he not fighting 10,000 Bruce Lees. Let's just keep that's it 100, bro. They, they were shooting guns. They might have used a knife here or there. A lot of the shit is covert tactics. Like these niggas wasn't it wasn't like they were sitting on one side, the 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 Vietnam was sitting on one side, and they went to the middle of the field and was like, All right, let's bang it out. It was none of that. These niggas was using weapons. You think you come on, man, hand to hand combat. You think Bruce Lee is gonna lose to a nigga in the military? No, bro. That's not how it works. 
That's not how it works. This nigga, this nigga's a fucking martial arts master. This nigga literally, this nigga literally is famous for a punch where he can hit you within an inch and break your shit, possibly explode your heart. And this is some shit that niggas are saying, oh, he's not a killer. Yeah, he's a fucking killer. We we just heard the story about how he broke the fucking stuntman's rib with a kick. You think he ain't going to do that shit to Cliff? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> oh, man. No, nah, but like the most part of time, though, man, is but like I say, all of his movies are weird and not. Yeah. But, you know, I've always been. I wouldn't say fascinated. I just think that stuff that's surrounded, not surrounded, but, you know, kind of around Manson is, is intriguing, I would say. Mm-hmm. And to add that element to that movie, you know what I'm saying, where it really kind of like, really kind of came out of nowhere. Like, the movie didn't even really feel like it was going in that direction, and all of a sudden it goes to this fucking old movie set, and there's a whole bunch of women out there, and fucking Charles Manson is there. It's like, fuck. Right. Like, the shit really kind of came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. his movies are kind of like that. Like, Pulp Fiction, like, the dialogue in Pulp Fiction is so cool. And what was so cool about it, and he actually was speaking about it, was he was like, one thing that he, you know, loves to do in his movies is, like, having, like, these dialogues or, like, a discussion about something mm-hmm. and, like, putting it in the movie. And like you know, there's different scenes where, um, where uh, what's their name? Where um, where Vincent and Jules would have like these conversations, and it's just like what's so relatable about it is like that's what we do in real life. Like if we with somebody that we really fuck with, like we get into the, like like these discussions about shit. Yeah, like, the, and it ended up being like a like a uh, rotate like a rotating theme. Like the whole thing, like with Jews and Vincent, would end up being a reoccurring conversation. Was when they when they went to go talk to the dude about fucking Marcellus, and then the dude came out the bathroom and just started shooting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this motherfucker shot like like ten shots. Didn't hit a goddamn thing. And Jews is all convinced of like, yo, this was a miracle. And Vincent yeah. like, nah, this ain't no miracle, man. He just can't shoot. And mm-hmm. so like they're going back and forth, you know what I'm saying, about if this is a miracle or not, or if the dude just can't shoot. And like I thought that part of it was really cool, but also like this really, in my opinion, really launched three people. Like all Sam stuff up until this point, he was a co-star. Not even really a co-star. Like a lot of this stuff, he was just in the film. You know what I mean? Like he was just in Jungle V Fever. He wasn't the main guy. Like he was just in films. Yeah, like he was just in fucking Goodfellas. You know what I mean? But he wasn't like you know. Uh, oh, what's my movie? Eddie Murphy. Uh, when he tried to rob uh, Coming to America, like he was just in Coming to America, yeah. but like him, like really, like kind of being a guy in Pope Fiction, really kind of, really, you know, what I'm saying, shot him out of here, and like this really kind of got John Travolta back out here, and I think this really put Uma Thurman on on another level. You know what I'm saying? When it came to when you're talking 1994, and like Bruce Willis, you know, what I'm saying he's coming off like. No, this is around the time of Die Hard and shit. 
So he's really kind of already doing some shit. But another person, Van Rames, I yeah. think after this, he really kind of skyrocketed. So I think Pulp I Fiction, well, he didn't skyrocket, but he still, you know, he's another one of those people who he's in just a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. He has an impact of yeah. the movies that he's in. But he's just in a lot, like he's in the fucking um, Mission Impossible shit. Yeah. All we talk about is Tom Cruise, but he's Tom Cruise's right hand man well, in all the all I of mean, the Mission Impossible. It's a lot of motherfuckers in Mission Impossible that they don't talk about. That I mean, Tom Cruise is just the only motherfucker that anybody any I I don't know. It's something weird about Tom Cruise. Like any movie that he's in, nobody gives a fuck about nobody else. I can, yeah, I can see what you're saying because when when you look at top, I don't know if you watched the Top Gun Maverick, like um, no. Miles Tiller did a he did a great job in that movie. You know you what I'm saying? Even, you don't even remember the nigga's name from the original Top Gun. Well, you know Goose because he was Goose's son. No, I'm so about the actor's name. Oh, the actor's name? Nah, I don't I don't remember the name. I don't remember their names, but but uh but who yeah. Else, who else is in Eyes Wide Shut? Who who what was his wife's name in Eyes Wide Shut? I don't know. Was it Nicole Kidman? Probably was. But the fact that we gotta question it, that's, <laughs> like, <laughs> like when that motherfucker in movies, bro, it just be Tom Cruise. I mean, okay, nah, cause that cause I'm biased. I'm biased to Vanilla's guy. But um yeah, I mean, you, but, you and you know that movie too. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, just a casual motherfucker is not gonna give a fuck about nobody else but Tom Cruise. I feel like with Quentin Tarantino, what he does is he does a great job of giving everybody their time on film, and he finds a he finds a great way to make them shine. Um, the perfect example is in Django. I think Django is is a masterpiece. From Quentin Tarantino, and I and I feel like it's a masterpiece, not just because of the topic that's being covered and the the maturity of the film, in a sense too, but just in the fact that every character in that movie had their time to shine. There's a moment for every character in that, well, every main character in that movie. You know what I'm saying? Um, from Candy to steven to django to king like all four of them are really like the main guys in this movie and it's weird because usually in movies like the 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 star is one person all four of these dudes got their shine mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like it wasn't it, it it wasn't like you can literally go pick and choose who you thought was you know what i'm saying the better star in that movie some people say that's one of Samuel L. Jackson's greatest, you know what I'm saying, greatest times. Um, some people say that Jamie Foxx did a hell of a job in it. Some people say that Leo did a hell of a job in it. Other people say, you know what I'm saying, that, um, damn, I'm I'm blanking on my man's name. Um, I got to say his name because that's my dude, bro. Are you talking about uh, Christopher Waltz? Christopher Waltz, bro. Christoph Waltz. 
Christoph Waltz, you know what I'm saying? Christoph, him yeah. that. Um, even even when you go to um Inglorious Bastards, just look at Inglorious Bastards having Christoph Waltz and Brad Pitt in that. You know what I'm saying? Like Christoph Waltz had a moment in Inglorious Bastards. And this is supposed to be the bad guy of this movie. He literally had a moment, and you know what I'm saying? Brad Pitt, he had his moment, you know what I'm saying? Like, even with the, the characters who weren't necessarily the the focus point of the movie, because really they weren't even really well, Bra uh, Brad Pitt wasn't even really the focus of the movie. The focus of the movie was on somebody totally different, you know what I'm saying? Um, and it really wasn't even on Christoph Waltz either. He just so happened to be, you know what I'm saying, a high-ranking member in the movie. So that's why he got, you know what I'm saying, his time. But just in general, like, he he finds a way to to even make, a, you know what I'm saying, guys like Brad Pitt or Christoph Waltz, make them kind of like not even co-stars, more like damn near guest features. Because if, if you go back and watch Inglourious Bastards, which is one of my favorite Tarantino movies – um, and you really watch like Brad Pitt ain't the ain't the dude that pops up in this movie. Brad Pitt pop up in this movie like I think maybe like thirty minutes into it, maybe fifteen minutes into it, and even then it's not even him by himself. He with a bunch of other dudes. You know what I'm saying? Christoph Waltz, you kind of see him a little bit earlier because that's kind of where they at. But for the most part, like everything is really surrounding. Um, oh my God, what's her name? Um. Hold on, I gotta find her name. Um, is it Melanie Laurent? I think that's her. But you know what I'm saying? Like she's she's one of the ones that you know what I'm saying get that that shine. She got the you know what I'm saying she helping with the um the theater and all that other shit and like that's really kind of what it's focused on. So it's like the way that he sets everything up is so, I don't want to say weird, but it's just, I say different. It's so different because like, if you take a movie like Inglorious Bastards and you look at this, right. And you see Brad Pitt, you see Christoph Waltz. Um, you know what I'm saying? You, you see all of these big names. And then when you go watch the movie and you barely see them, but the movie is so captivating and so good that it's not you don't even feel like you took a loss on this because that's how great the story is that's how great you know what I'm saying it's shot that's how great the acting is in it like everything about the movie is so good like you seeing Brad Pitt for only 15 minutes probably total out of a fucking damn near 2 3 hour movie you're not even pissed about it no because i think that you first of all you brought up a great point by the fact of like he does really good about sharing the screen time with people. And I think that's why there are so many people who are so willing to do a movie with them because they know like how he how great he is with this. Like another mm -hmm. great example is Death Proof, which we done a double feature with Death Proof and in, in um Planet Terror. Yeah. Um but like First of all, for him to take a person who is a stunt person in Zoe Bell and mm -hmm. turn her into an actress for this fucking movie, I've never heard of any. I, I, I haven't done the research on this, but I've never heard of someone because, you know, she was the stunt devil for Uma Thurman and 
the Kill Bill movies. Right. And then to turn around in 2007 and actually make her an actress in there is dope as fuck. But but another thing that's dope about Planet Terror is there are two storylines in the movie. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because the first one is a totally different group of girls where he's fucking, um, you know, he's, you know, stuntman Michael, whatever. He's at this bar and like he's, you know, just He's just a, a a stuntman who goes around and just kill women with his cars and shit. Right. And then, like, so you get this whole... And then, like I say, you don't even... This is another thing. You don't see Kurt Russell to about 30 minutes in the movie. Exactly. It's all with the girls. It's all the girls. And then, for him to be able to say, to bring Sidney Poitier in there, you know, uh, uh, Sidney Tamala Poitier, you know, Sidney Poitier's daughter, Mm-hmm. They they even bring her in there to play Jungle Julio um, or whatever, but you have this this group of girls, and then you bring Stuntman Mike in. He killed those girls, but then what's dope about it? He talked about this scene of when they when they ran when they ran the cars into the girls, and, and they showed it like three times. They showed one girl the, the tire go up her face, mm-hmm. show one girl leg pop out. He was just like, he's real big on he hates CGI, mm-hmm. he hates it. So he was like to do that scene. He was like, we had to do it three times. And he was like, what he did was for them to make body doubles of the girls. Because he was like, I don't want no CGI shit. Like, I want this shit to look as real as possible. So mm-hmm. he used, you know, life-size dummies of the girls to get that. And then, like I say, he had to do it three times to show you all three of the girls' deaths or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then... Stuntman might go to the hospital. Next thing you know, you see another group of girls. And then these girls want to do this whole, you know what I'm saying, with Zoe Bell is riding on the hood and all this type shit. And then he's trying to kill these girls, but these girls are able to turn around and fucking whoop his ass. Mm-hmm. But like for him to be able to, and like I say, like the way he put stories together, his writing is unfucking matched. That's number one. Yeah. That shit is crazy. And then even when you go back to Pope Fiction, Pope Fiction is jumping timelines in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like we see Vincent, we see Vincent get killed. Fucking an hour, hour 30 in the movie. And then the last thing we see is the damn robbery scene of Vincent and Jules at the fucking restaurant. Right. Like we seen this motherfucker die. <laughs> but like the movie is jumping timelines. Mm-hmm. But just for him to write a movie that way. Man, like his his writing, man, is is so really like out of this world and and, and really unmatched. And and I know a lot of people want to get on him, you know what I'm saying, about how much and how much he used the N-word and all this type shit. Like, yeah, I don't really think it to me, like, don't get me wrong. Like sometimes, all right, it can be like a little OD. That's just like, okay, in Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. when 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 Jules and Vincent pulled up on him, and he was like, um, when they shot Marvin in the back seat by when Vincent shot Marvin in the back seat by accident, and they come over there, he was like, he was like, do I look like? He's like, do this look like a a, a, a nigger storage? He was like, why you got a dead nigger in my house? He was like, this ain't a dead. You know, he just kept saying it. It was like, okay, like maybe like right there, we didn't really need that. But you know what though? But, you know what though? The, what I think though is is that the fact 
that he does add that in there. Because I remember this was the same issue that people was talking about with, with Django. Django, yeah. Um, The fact that he does have that in there, you have to realize, like, at the time, when we're dealing with these characters and we're dealing with these, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the way that they written in the films and everything else, <clears throat> in Pulp Fiction, I'm sure that the dude was saying that he was probably, what, like, Italian or some shit like that? Yeah, yeah. He's, he, well... It says that he is uh, Cherokee descent, Irish, and Italian. Right. So he probably leaning more towards the European side of everything, right? So nine times out of ten in those days, yeah, that's what they were saying. That's the type of language that these motherfuckers was using, especially if these motherfuckers are in the crime. These motherfuckers ain't fucking angels. These are the type of people that talk this way. Same thing when you, you know what I'm saying, you look in Django. They was complaining that they had all these white people saying the N-word. And I'm like, yeah, because that's what they said. It's just <laughs> slave, slavery. Slavery. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? That, you think they'll talk about, hey, black, come here. No, they was they was vowed. They was this is supposed to make you feel this way. And I think that's what he does. He he does that by being like he does a great job of of writing shit and 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 filming it to portray these these moments that get your emotions out right like even even if you watch kill bill you find yourself rooting for uma thurman's character the whole time you know what i'm saying like you really oh yeah definitely so rooting because you they giving you the story of what's going on right and then not only that you know she's been done wrong they even sometimes even show you some shit that's been done wrong to her so now you like i hope she kill all these motherfuckers so okay but do you kind of feel for Oshirin when you find out her backstory? Because when they did that whole part where they showed like Oshirin's thing, but what was dope about it, he showed it in that um in that Japanese cartoon type of shit, like to flip the whole fucking shit that way. I mean, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like it, the way that he does it is he's bringing emotion out of you. And to me, this is the, that's why I said he's an artist. Like that's what art is supposed to do. Art is supposed to make you feel art is supposed to make you think it's supposed to be a conversation piece. It's it's supposed to be able to, to do multiple things to where when you go see a movie, because I feel like if you go see a movie and you just come out like, yeah, that was a pretty good film. You go, you wasted your money. You mean to tell me you're not talking about the movie when you're leaving out? You ain't talking about certain scenes when you're leaving out? Oh, man, such and such did a great job in this film. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the this is the type of shit that he's trying to bring out of the people that's viewing this. And, and I feel like, okay, yeah. And we've seen how many mob movies to where they were saying the N-word and nobody batted a fucking eye. Nobody mentioned nothing about the shit. I'm sure in the Godfather they was calling a bunch of people niggas. Well, that was only like, from what I remember, there was one scene where it was kind of like they was all sitting at the table trying to figure out like this new plan or whatever, and they were just like, "Oh, what we got this? Oh, we'll, we'll just leave that to the niggas." But that's what I'm saying. And like that was it. And then that's it. And, and even then, if you even think about that, like, yo, that's some shit that's that was at the time 
shit around the same fucking time. That wasn't even, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, that far back compared to the, when that shit came out. So when you see shit like that, like we, I've seen a bunch of movies where they got a white dude saying the N-word and calling a black person the N-word or even talking about black people in a certain way and using the N-word. Nobody says shit about it. I think because of the fact that Tarantino not only has these movies that's doing it, but I think he does a great job of giving no matter who you are, no matter what color you are, no matter if you're a man or woman, whatever the case may be, if you are going to do a great job, he's going to put you in that position. He's going, he's going to put you there. I remember when Django came out, they had did like a round table thing. Right. And, and one of the stories now everybody knows it, but at the time, this was just something that was just getting out. And at the time, they was asking Leonardo uh, DiCaprio, like, how did you feel playing this character? And he was like, yo, he was like, this was real tough for me because I, when I grew up, like, you know what I'm saying? I was around, you know what I'm saying? A lot of black people, I had black friends. Like, I even grew up kind of in that culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, Leo, he pop lock, he do all that shit. Like, we know Leo, like, Leo fuck with black people. And he was like, so it was difficult to me. He said, and I had to pull Sam to the side and was like, Yo, you know, I'm I'm not really okay saying this. That nigga Sam was like, hey, are they paying you to do this? He said, yeah. He said, then go out there and say it, motherfucker. Like, what's the problem? This is acting. This ain't you. You portraying the character. You go out there, you do your motherfucking job. Let's get this money and let's go. And he went in and, and he showed his ass as usual. He Leonardo DiCaprio, that's what he do. But it's like, yo, when it when it comes to movies and shit like that, bro especially when it's you know what i'm saying like time pieces or or even you know what i'm saying just portraying certain people during you know what i'm saying certain points in history it's like yo that's if that's what the fuck happened you can't be mad at that moment you can't be mad at that's what happened now don't get me wrong you can be because that's what it's supposed to make you feel but it's not that person's fault that this is what happened this motherfucker is just portraying this situation now, I could see if every fucking movie that he was, you know what I'm saying, putting together, it was a bunch of people calling black people niggas and niggers and shit. And, you know what I'm saying, then it'd be like, all right, this shit suspect. But this ain't every fucking movie. This ain't even every fucking movie a black person is in. Because I can guarantee you nine times out of ten, Samuel Jackson said nigga way more than anybody in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, he did. And then, the, and I remember that story. I remember, cause, yeah, because Sam told, he told it on something, some podcast, some interview or something. He was talking about how he was talking to Leo. And he was just like, like you said, like, they, are they paying you to, you know, do this? And he was like, yeah. He was like, why then, nigga, let's go do this shit then. Like, you know, he was just like, he was like, you know, like, fuck it. Like, it is what it is. But, I mean, look, I don't have, like, to me, I, I, I okay, I'm not gonna say I know because I never met Quentin Tarantino a day in my life. I'm just saying from from what I could see and when you look at his track record, like there are a few people who where we tie them to someone. Mm -hmm. You know, you got Spike Lee, you got Denzel, mm -hmm. you got Scorsese, you got Robert De Niro. Mm -hmm. Well, in this case, Quentin Tarantino is Sam. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they got a rapport. So there are some actors who are tied to 
you know what I'm saying, certain directors where the directors keep going back to these people. And he even said on the interview, he was like, Sam is one of my best friends. Yeah. He was like, me and Sam, like, like we really like tight like that. And so I wouldn't, it'd be different if it was a situation where it's like, well, Quentin Tarantino repeatedly do this, mm-hmm. but he don't have like black leading roles and you know what I'm saying? All types of shit like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, he you got Sam and Pam Greer and Jackie Brown. And you got a lot of the shit that he does in his films anyway, even if you watch them, like a lot of the shit that he does are inspired through black exploitation. Yeah, even, even to his exaggerations, that's shit that you would see in black exploitation films. That that's a, that's what Jackie Brown is. <laughs> it's just a modern day black exploitation <laughs> film. That's what that's what pulp fiction is. If you really yeah. go back and watch Pulp Fiction, that's really what Pulp Fiction is. It's a modern take on black exploitation. So, like you said, same thing with Jackie Brown. Like that's just that's what he does. He finds he finds a genre and he finds a way to make it his own version of whatever that's like his own vision is put into it. And to me, I'm like, yo, you 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 have to give him credit for being as creative as he is and refreshing as it is to see something, you know what I'm saying, different compared to the shit that we see all the time. Like everybody can't be PC. Somebody has to. Somebody has to to pull the plug or 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 throw the grenade so we can get something to talk about. Because if not, then yo, this shit is gonna tank. Yeah, and I think I think what's special about him is when when you watch a Mark Scorsese film, you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And when you watch a Quentin Tarantino f- film. You know what you're getting mm-hmm. when you go into it. It's either you fuck with it or you don't. So it's kind of like, and also another one who's starting to be that way is Jordan Peele. Like yeah. you know what you're getting. You're getting some weird sci-fi shit. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like we know what we're getting. You know what I'm saying when it comes to Quentin. Now the whole discussion about, you know, we'll get into that when we do our top three. Well, we'll get a little more into that. It's just like. You know, he was talking about, you know, uh, they brought up, he he said he only wants to do 10 films. Like basically, mm-hmm. films that he directed. Like, right. it's, it's nine of them right now. He's written a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but as far as, like, him, like, Quentin Tarantino films, it's only nine. Right. And he's saying that he only wants to do 10. Mm-hmm. And so he was asking him, like, you know, what are some of your ideas or some of the shit that you want to do? And, you know, he was just basically saying that, you know, even when, well, he had two answers, but he was just saying, like, even when he, quote unquote, does a 10th film or whatever, he still was talking about he want to write books and he still he want to write. Uh, he still want to do screenplays and he still mm-hmm. want to write plays. He's a, he's real big into writing plays right now. Right. And um, so he's not leaving the industry. It's just basically his films. Yeah. And he was talking about. And so they brought up he was saying that. That. The way, because he said it took him, it was either seven or eight years to write Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that this is really like my, you know, quote unquote, goodbye to Hollywood or whatever. Right. And there's two ways to look at it, because he was like, he counts the kill the same way I do. I count Kill Bill as one movie. Yeah, it's like part one, part two. Yeah. And the only reason... He said that it was really Harvey 
who said it because I guess Harvey kind of figured him out was he was like, yo, this shit is way too long. Yeah. And he knew that Quentin didn't want to cut nothing. Mm-hmm. So he was like, yo, how about you do it in two parts? You know, volume one, volume two. Yeah. And so he that's how he ended up going about it. But Kill Bill was originally one film. Right. But it just, you know, broke it up because he didn't want to cut nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he was like, if I want to, he said, I can just say that Kill Bill was two films and um, once upon a time, it's my 10th film and I'm done. Yeah. But he was just like, I consider it one. So I'm really saying that, you know, I got the nine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they talked about the idea of doing a Kill Bill three. No, he brought up some he, he brought up some good ideas. Now, we brought up the whole thing of just Vivica A. Fox daughter. Mm-hmm. He brought up an idea. He was like, yo, I could go many ways. So you remember Go-Go? Mm-hmm. Right? He was like, yo, we don't know. Go-Go could have a twin sister. Right. You know what I'm saying? So he was just like, when when he thought, when he said he thinks about it, he was just like, I want to show, he said, because, you know, Maya's in the industry now. She's blowing up. Mm-hmm. He was like, I could show like them just living life. You know what I mean? Um, but then all of a sudden, these people from the past start coming up, and he was just like, you know, Go Go could have a twin sister, and Go Go could come after her. And um, and then he was talking about somebody else. Uh, like I, I think, um, oh, Greg got an eye poked out. No, it wasn't her. It was somebody. Um, I, I forget who the other people were, but like he was just saying that the, the way. That Hollywood is now, you know what I'm saying? I guess he kind of I, I think he always felt he never like quote unquote like fit it in. Right. But like I think, you know, because everything is so PC now. Mm-hmm. I, and then he was just like, yo, he was like, I've been in the industry 30 years. And he was like, he didn't want to be the person where he was like, he he said that when you watch a lot of directors who's been in the game for over 30 years, he was like, they kind of already reached their peak. Like they right. like basically he was saying their films don't get better. Yeah. Like when you look at Scorsese, like a lot of people don't say that the Irishman was one of their favorite movies of Scorsese. Mm-hmm. They say a lot of his earlier shit was their favorite shit. And so he was like, he just kind of really want to leave the game kind of like on top, basically. So yeah. I mean I get I get what he's saying, but I think that his movies are so legendary that they're going to pass the test of time. So, Absolutely. like, I don't, I don't think that he needs to force more right. shit. But it was also great to hear that he still will be willing to keep writing screenplays and and shit like that. So, and then with his relationship with Robert Rodriguez, like, you know, they they, you know, what I'm saying they still link up with each other. So right. it could be a situation where we still can get some Quentin Tier Quentin Tier. Quentin Tarantino S type right. shit. Like I think we still can get it, but you know what I'm saying? It'll be a part of his vision, but not his whole vision. Right. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. I think for that 10th film, man, he should go down the horror lane or he should go in that sci-fi lane for one good time. You know what I'm saying? Just just to have his own twisted vision, you know what I'm saying, on some shit. I think that would be that would be nice. Um that would be a nice, you know what I'm saying, um cap on everything, you know what I'm saying? To go ahead and 
send it off the you know what I'm saying sale. Um, so usually we do the fire flames, but anytime we do an appreciation, we just do top three. Um, so let's go ahead and get into that. You already mentioned it. Um, what are your top three Tarantino films? Okay, um, I'm doing a Quentin move, and I'm saying that the Kill Bills Volume One, Volume Two was one movie. Except so uh, obviously I got uh, the Kill Bills. I just make it plural. Um, Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. and dude, I have an fascination with this movie, man. I really do. I love Death Proof, man. Okay. Death Proof, Death Proof is my joint, man. I, I don't know why I feel like it's kind of like slept on a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's definitely a lot of those films in that like that grindhouse capsule is, is definitely slept on. Um for me, it's definitely I don't have it in any order, but my top I got a number one for sure. It's Inglorious Bastards. That's to me, I think that's the greatest Quentin Tarantino film I've ever seen. Um, I'm definitely going Dust Till Dawn, great movie. Um, you know what I'm saying? He kind of went in that sci fi type lane with the vampires and shit like that, which mm-hmm. I thought, you know what I'm saying, it was dope. We really didn't see anything else after that. But I really want to see something after that because I think he did a, a great job putting that together. Um, and then, shit, last but not least, I got to go with Django, man. Django was, I know it was supposed to be like in the Western style, but somehow, some way, they made it a comedy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how mm-hmm. they pulled it off, but that shit was funny as fuck to me. Django is Django has moments where you are going to laugh hard as fuck, bro. Yo, that's what come on, man. Sam had one of the all time. Yo, who that nigga on that neck? Come on, man. That's the all. Yo, that's just come on. It's not even the funniest scene in the movie. To me, it is (laughs) when the motherfuckers is riding around with the masks on. And that motherfucker, oh. <laughs> like, I can't see out of this goddamn thing. He was like, uh, he was like, can't we just ride with the mask off? And he was like, uh, what he say? He was like, uh, what do you yeah, mean? He- it takes away from the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? This is what we're supposed to do. He was like, we ride with the mask on. He was like, no. He was like, I can't see either, man. He was like, yeah, I can't really see either. He was like, fine. We take the goddamn mask off. He's like, next time we wear the mask. He was like, fine, no mask. He was like, don't ask me and mine for nothing, you ungrateful son. <laughs> he was like, my man, not me and my wife. Like, <laughs> yeah, he said, my wife stayed up all night. Case for you ungrateful sons of bitches. Don't ask me and mine for nothing. And motherfucker was like, hey, hey, calm down, man. You know what I'm saying? He said, he said this time. We won't wear the mask. He said, next time, we'll wear the mask. He was like, criticize, criticize, criticize. That, <laughs> that's the thing, bro. That's, to me, that's the funniest fuck. I don't know how they did it, but to to take a scene like that, you and, and just, the, just the importance of that scene, like this is a scene where the Ku Klux Klan is riding down to kill a black man. 
not only do they turn it into a comedy scene, but they turn it into a W for the black man because the <laughs> they set off dynamite to kill Ku Klux Klan members. <laughs> so it's like everything about like just everything about that scene just worked the way it was supposed to work. And I just think to me, man, that not it's it's not only the funniest scene, but it's one of my favorite scenes. But yeah, Django is definitely the other one, man. I gotta, I gotta fuck with Django. Anytime I see it on, I gotta watch it, man. Um, but yeah, that's that's Quentin Tarantino, man. That's what he does. He he's gonna shock you. He's gonna throw a couple twists in there without you even knowing it, and he's also going to make you look at some shit a totally different way. Um, let's go ahead and get into the coming soon, bro. Let's do it. Coming soon to own on video and DVD. All right, man. So the the next uh, episode we have uh, is this a film? Yeah, it's, it's a film. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an I'm, Apple TV Plus film. Yeah. So I'm gonna let you take the lead on this one because I have no idea. I mean, I know kind of a little bit what it's about because you talked about it on what we watched before, but I, I haven't watched it yet. So that's all you, bro. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's starring Jennifer Lawrence and um, Brian Tyree Henry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is basically a, uh, you know, uh, a, a, not Vietnam, but a military vet end up getting hurt in the line of duty, and she's trying to, you know, get her strength back up so she can join back in. Like, she want to go back active duty because she hates where she's from. Like, she hates her whole life in New Orleans and all this type shit. So her whole thing is just basically getting back into the military, end up running into Brian Tyree Henry. He's dealing with the things that he's dealing with. But it, it's a film that's really kind of, you know, showing um, a person with PTSD, showing a person with, you know what I'm saying, dealing with personal issues, but you're seeing it through the lens of two different people who are dealing with two different things. And what makes this movie stand out is just the fact that it's, it's those two people. Right. You know, two people that are as good as they craft as they are, mm-hmm. you know, being in this Apple movie, you know, it's um put it this way, the story's cool, but the acting by Brian and the acting by Jennifer take this shit mm-hmm. to the next level. Let's put it that way. Okay. So you guys buckle up, man. Get ready for the next episode, man. Causeway is this movie. If you have Apple TV, get on there, watch it now, or you can wait till we give you the review and you can go check it out for yourself. Um, if you guys enjoy Quentin Tarantino movies, if you have a favorite Quentin Tarantino movie, or if you just have, you know what I'm saying, a favorite moment of Quentin Tarantino, hit us up, let us know on the socials, on Instagram and Twitter or X. Um, at View and Pod, you could also follow us on Facebook, VA Pod Watch Group. We also have a community on Twitter slash X Viewers Anonymous. We talk about movies and TV all day, so get your daily fix there. And if you are following the podcast, remember you can subscribe for two ninety nine a month. You can get extra episodes um, that we have in store for you there. Uh, and if you'd like to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter or X at Scoots Brunson. Yep, and y'all can follow me at uh, s.foster8 on Instagram and X. Um, follow at 28 Minutes or Less Pod. That's just on IG. Um, follow the podcast on all major platforms, 28 Minutes or Less. There's a new episode out 
um, called uh, Rooting for the Bad Guy, man, episode 133. You know what I'm saying? I kind of, you know, centered the episode around the character Ray Donovan and the character Tony Soprano. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, definitely go check that out, man. It, it was just, you know what I'm saying? It's one of those episodes I think you'll fuck with because, like I said, it's rooting for the bad guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, rooting for the antagonist. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Um, so, um, so yeah, man, I made, I, you know, I put something together. So go check that out on all major platforms. That's what's up, man. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. Um, your support never goes unnoticed. It's always greatly appreciated. But until the next episode, like they say in Hollywood, that's a wrap. Cut. Okay.